huge news, years in the making, my brand new book that my publishers refuse to publish, Money Matrix. Beat the money system and build generational wealth. Understand the three main ways that the banks productize you and make money from you. You'll be able to turn that system against itself, build generational wealth and multiple streams of recurring income. It's all at moneymatrix.cash. And if you're quick, the first few hundred registrants and buyers will receive many special bonuses from me. The brand new Moneymaker Summit three-day special event. Meet me at a champagne reception. Meet me at a multi-millionaire networking dinner. Go now, moneymatrix.cash. This is huge. Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. For anyone who wants to make money and make a difference, grow and leverage your enterprise better, get more done in less time, outsource everything and create your ideal lifestyle. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur video and audio podcast. Now, most people perceive peer pressure to be bad. And of course, in main society, peer pressure is seen as being led down a bad path by bad people. And there's a, another side to peer pressure that really, really successful people know that the people who are making a difference on the planet uh, have engineered in their inner circle, which I think we can all learn from as disruptive entrepreneurs and innovators. And um, let's call that positive peer pressure. So positive peer pressure is where you have people who hold you accountable, who are at a higher, different level in an area that you want to grow into, have got traits that you admire, that you want to model, and they literally do the opposite of negative peer pressure, and they force you to progress. Now, you have to get yourself in the environment where you can be positively affected by positive peer pressure, which means having mentors, coaches, being held accountable, allow them to pick out your faults and your flaws or correct or coach you, get your ego, you know, way over there. It probably, you know, it might bring out like an envy in you, but again, like to call that a positive envy. You know, those people that you admire, you've got to try and find and hunt out and hire and pay for and bribe with expensive lunches and dinners and whatever else it is that might get you a few minutes with them or interview them on a podcast or something. So I think what, what happens with a lot of successful people, certainly in Britain, but of course in other countries, but we're, we're quite well known for it in our culture, is this slightly sort of tall poppy syndrome where, you know, we, we often envy people who are very successful and then therefore we kind of want to chop them down, chop the, the tall poppy down. Merry Christmas, everyone. Um, if it is Christmas when you're listening to this, I'm getting loads of Christmas messages and I don't want to seem like a Scrooge by not saying so. So Merry Christmas. So I've been doing a lot of research into envy and studies into envy for my new book, Money. And um, envy actually has an evolutionary purpose. So, you know, if you're quite a positive person, you're probably trying to get rid of your envy or you see other people envying you or others as bad. And it's, it's not a particularly positive emotion, but it serves an evolutionary purpose. And that purpose is for us to evolve and also, you know, for us to control people in society who maybe get a bit ahead of themselves 
and to create the competitive instinct because you know by nature as a species we are you know we are competitive the survival of the fittest so if we have this envy it creates this competition for us to want to strive to do better you know we look at ourselves and we go why aren't we getting those results we should be getting those results so let's call this positive envy if you could you know, we all feel envy from time to time. And often that envy is not necessarily about them, but about our sort of lack of worth or feeling that we should be doing better or could be doing better or want to be doing better. So what I've tried to do over the years, because I was pretty envious sort of 10, 11 years ago, and I was pretty bitter. And when you're not getting anything in your life that you want and you're not progressing, you tend to just look at others and feel that envy. And then it just stokes those negative emotions within you and, and sort of damages your own self-worth. So if we can turn it into positive envy where we look at them and we might initially feel a bit like, uh, mastered, <laughs> but then we think, okay, so that's an admirable quality. They're getting really good results. I applaud you. I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to read your books, listen to your podcast, go to your courses. And I don't want to be you. And that's important. You shouldn't want to be someone. You should want to be who you are, but you should own the traits of the greats, which means what are the traits of those people that you admire, that you'd like to become more of or allowed to come out of you because you have them all already. You have every trait. Every human being has every trait. So you have every great trait, you have every negative trait, you have it all. So it's just about being inspired and seeing it in someone, seeing it for what it is, like not over pedestalizing, but not sort of putting them down either with envy and then allowing those traits to come out in you. So admire them, don't pedestalize them. Pick the traits you admire, ditch the rest. Don't try and become someone that you're not because you admire them so much. You know, in this celebrity culture, it's a bit like, you know, we see someone who we admire and we're going to put them on this massive pedestal. There's a saying, isn't there, that said, don't ever meet your heroes, you'll be disappointed. And that's not because there's anything wrong with the heroes, it's because they're normal people too. And also, when you know they're normal people, they've just got sort of more exaggerated higher qualities or different higher qualities than you then it just puts it all into balance and perspective and allows you to become who you are. That being said, you need to stay uncomfortable. So you know, if you're comfortable doing what you're doing, chugging along on idle, on a few cylinders, and you're not growing, then you're decaying. And if you're not growing, you're not serving humanity, you're not serving others, and you know, you'll start to slowly rot. You'll either do that by getting bored or lacking energy or feeling like you need to disrupt something, or in the end, you'll just sort of completely shake up your life, maybe as a bit of an over-exaggeration. So I think it's important through re fairly regular intervals just to try and stay a little bit uncomfortable. You know, whether that's just you try new things, or, you know, you get around, but, you know, imagine being around a table, a round table. There's you, and then there's 10 billionaires. That's uncomfortable, but that's what you want, if that's what you want. So getting yourself around people who force you up by just your jaw hits the floor because you don't feel worthy is a good way to stay uncomfortable. Now, this thing about positive peer pressure and challenge and growth, you know, there's pain in it, of course, but that pain creates the growth. And if you look at, say, for example, some great rivalries, I don't know, maybe Nadal and Federer, you know, or even now Murray, you know, with Nadal and Federer, would Murray have got as good as he is if he'd have been playing in a different era where there wasn't Nadal and Federer. And in fact, um, if you listen to Andre Agassi's biography, he talks about Pete Sampras. And he says, in some ways, it's a bit frustrating because Sampras was like the best player of his era and Agassi probably would have been better in terms of results. But he also said he learned a lot through playing Sampras and he became a better player competing against Sampras. I mean, look at Eubank and Ben. 
you know, those epic fights, if you look at all the great rivalries, I don't know, um, Messi and Ronaldo or Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, there's a great argument to say that they wouldn't have been as good and grown and gone through the challenges had they not had those adversaries. And through history, we see these great adversaries and this, this great challenge and these, um, you know, you almost get this sort of love-hate. Do you remember the um, Nicky Lauda and was it James... Uh, what, you know, the other racing car driver. There was that brilliant film about them where they had this rivalry where they hated each other, but then they loved each other. And then, you know, you look at all... Yeah, you get what I'm saying. There's loads of them. I'm still trying to think of the name of that. James Hunt! There you go. And there's that scene, isn't there, where James Hunt um, punches the reporter, the journalist, because he kind of, you know, has a bit of an attack on Nicky Lauder, who's his greatest adversary. Yet they, they know and honour and love and respect, especially when they retire you know, just how much they made each other grow. And that's what you want to sort of stoke in yourself. And if you're not around great people and if you're not studying great people and if you're not experiencing positive peer pressure, then you're not becoming who you truly can be. So here are some strategies. Let me just check for time. We're doing good. So some strategies around this thing that can help you is I recommend spending one third of your total work time on building your network, on getting around amazing people, getting around people who are further down the line than you, in having sort of building your black book of contacts, you know, maybe celebrities, you know, who might be able to make connections or maybe sort of the best in the niches that that you're in, the people who have done what you want to do, the people who are a generation or two older than you and you've just got one or two, you know, economic cycles worth of experience, spend one third of your working week on that. Now, that's quite a lot and people are surprised by that. But apparently, Warren Buffett spends most of his time in his working week reading and educating himself. So I'm saying spend at least one third of your time developing and building that network because if there's a problem you haven't solved and you're working really hard to solve it, you're having to do it for the first time and go through all the pain. If you've got someone in your network who solved the problem or knows someone who knows someone who solved the problem, who solved it easy, who are really good at solving it, All you have to do is leverage their decades of experience. So one third of your work time on building your network and creating this positive peer pressure. Strategically pick people out. You know, so for years, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was someone who who I, I saw of as a hero in areas of making more than one niche a great success. You know, being an immigrant coming over to America, he loves America. He's so patriotic and, you know, he's so... Because, um, you know, America was a nation that allowed him to live his dream. And, you know, of course, he was the, one of the, one, the best bodybuilder probably that's ever lived. And then, you know, one of the greatest movie stars that's ever lived. And then he became the, the governor, which is an amazing thing. And now he's one of the great exponents and proponents of climate change. So, you know, I spent a few years hunting him out and finally got to spend quite a lot of time with him, meet him. And, you know, and there's other people that I, I really admire. And, um, you know, if it takes one, three or five years, so what? Pick out the people who you'd most love to meet and be around and spend some time developing routes to meeting them. One of my greatest hobbies in life has become meeting great people. And I don't know why I I just didn't get it for so many years, but it's such a great honor, it's such a great feeling, it's so exciting to meet amazing people. People who've got amazing experiences, listening to their stories, you know, going through their journey with them. You know, you get that vicariously in autobiographies, you know, listening to all the great people, you know, my, my um, fiance at the moment is listening to 
A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. You know, I've listened to that a few times and, you know, that's a really, really powerful story. You know, maybe listening to Nelson Mandela or Terry Waite's stories or, you know, Andre Agassi's autobiography or, you know, there's Arnold Schwarzenegger. There's so many of them. And, you know, you go on a journey with them, you feel like you know them. And it really is, for me, a passion and profession, vocation and vacation merge to meet amazing people. I'm flying to uh, Switzerland next week and I'm going to Labrassus. I'm getting a private tour and a product showcase, which means <laughs> Odemars Piguet are going to have a lot of money in their bank when I come back and I'm doing a podcast interview with the CEO. And it's, it's been my favourite watch brand for a decade. And, you know, that's just an exciting thing to do. And I get to sort of call that work because I'm doing the podcast, but it's play as much as it is work. All right. And, um, you know, when you die, you know, what you're going to have left, the memory of you is the relationships you've built, how you've inspired people, the, the legacy that continues to develop people's relationship and progress in life through maybe the libraries you build or the schools or the hospitals you build or whatever. So, yeah, hopefully I've inspired you a little bit more to turn peer pressure into positive peer pressure. Vicarious experience, I believe, is always better than trailblazing yourself. So if you do something that's untested and unproven, then you're gonna to have to go through all the mistakes and challenges and difficulties, and it could break you before you, you know, learn how to do it properly. But if you go through the experience through others going first, you know, so whoever your idol is, they've done it. So listening and learning from them, through them, interviewing them, grilling them, getting their experience is a safe way to progress without making massive mistakes. And um, in Progressive Property, one of my companies, there were two big companies. One was the biggest sort of portfolio building company at the time and another one was the biggest property sort of deal selling company at the time. One of them was valued at 165 million. They had an offer of that. The CEO turned it down and in the end they went bust. The company went bust. And um, I got to know the owners of both of those companies very well. Mark and I would spend a few, we'd have a few good few meetings with them a, a year and many email conversations. And, you know, we, we were sort of a fly on the wall, a fly on the table opposite, on their just sort of journey through to becoming the biggest in their industry. And then through the recession, having challenges and problems and, and what happened. And, you know, it was great. And I, I, I sort of, were hesitated to say that because I don't want to say it was great that they had challenges. You know, they had challenges. That's kind of nothing to do with me. But it was great to be part of it, to watch, to learn, to support and, you know, help, help where we could when we had value. And, you know, we got some really critical lessons of them having challenges. It's better to have lessons of someone else having all the challenges than you going through it. You know, some people say it's best to learn from mistakes. I think that's really bad advice. You know, maybe when you make a mistake one, two or three times, you finally get it. But it's best to learn through others' mistakes, you know, because do you want to go bust and have a massive re reputational damage? No, you don't. You know, if you have to, will you learn from it? Yeah. Will you survive and then thrive? Of course you will. You'll grow and you'll become bigger and better. But surely it's better to learn through someone else doing all of that. So um, Andreas Paniotu, a good friend of mine, he sold 6,000 flats just before the boom. And I remember sitting in his uh, old office at the time with a massive boardroom. It was like, um, it must have been like 30, 15 chairs long, maybe 18 chairs long with a chair at the head. And I remember sitting down at the head of his boardroom table, there was Andreas, Mark and me. Uh, and he was, just, we were, he was just talking through his experience. And he said it got to the point in the boom, so we must have been with him then, yeah, this was probably 2007. So it's, it, you know, the, the, the crash was starting to happen. And he said, 
Guys, look, there, there came a point where I just looked at all this lending and these 100% mortgages and everything else, and I just thought, this is ridiculous, it's too good, it's too easy. I'm not sure if it can get any better. I've got to make a plan. So he sold his portfolio. I think he ended up um, making about half a billion net profit on selling his portfolio because he felt that like it had got a bit ridiculous. You know, everybody was buying properties, you know, and people who probably weren't worthy of lending were getting lending. And I just really learned something there. I learned that if I can look in the mirror or look at Mark and there's a point where this is almost too good to be true, we've got to start planning the opposite of what everyone else is doing and not get carried away. And so I, I stored that in my memory. And of course, I'd never experienced that because, you know, we sort of set up shop at Progressive Property and then we didn't even have 12 months of good times before the recession happened. So I hadn't had a decade of good times. But I know that I can carry that experience forward. And had I not had that conversation with him when it got good, I would have had no experience to know that maybe it can't get any better because, you know, we're, we live on extreme emotions as human beings. He also said, you know, when prices are growing you need to add value because, you know, if prices are dropping, you probably can get a good discount. But when prices are firm, you need to look at other ways to get your margin. You can get your margin in the purchase price or you can get your margin in adding value. So we started changing the use of properties, looking at how we could convert them from commercial into residential or, you know, turn um, police stations, offices, pubs, you know, older buildings where the use and the function, nightclubs, you know, where they were sort of, they were dying. And what was the new thing? Or, you know, well, we need more flats. We need more living spaces. We need multi-lets and rooms. So, you know, that burned in my brain. If you can add value, and sometimes adding value is changing the use and providing something that, that you know, the, the current society wants and needs, then you're going to be able to make your margin that way. So, you know, there's just some examples. So let others trailblaze, learn from them, stand on the shoulders of giants, turn the, the envy into positive envy and the peer pressure into positive peer pressure. So I've got some exciting announcements I want to make for you. So thanks for tuning in for The Disruptive Entrepreneur, whether you do it on video or you listen, I want to thank you. It's been almost a year since we've been doing this. I can't tell you what an amazing year it's been. I want to thank every single one of the 350 odd thousand subscribers that we have across 150 countries. I'm grateful for every one of you. We seem to be getting a really big growth at the moment in India. So thank you to my Indian friends. We're getting many of you join the podcast. I have no idea how or where you're finding it, but you are. I want to wish you an amazing Christmas. And if you're listening and it's not Christmas, happy Christmas for next Christmas and every Christmas. But here are some exciting things we've got coming up for you. So in a few weeks' time, Mark launches his new book, Uncommon Sense. Uh, Mark's booked a table at one of the best restaurants in London, two-star Michelin, and I'm going with him, and he's inviting two people who buy his book when it launches to be put into a drawer to come with us. So I'm going to be um, interviewing Mark on and around the launch of his book, um, Uncommon Sense, and I'm going to be grilling him, not just on the book, but on everything he does as con a contrarian investor. And um, you're going to get the chance, should you buy his book, and um, when it becomes available, you know, in the launch period, to maybe come to dinner with us at Two Star Michelin Restaurant. I'd love to spend the time with you. So that's one thing. Obviously, Mark's book is coming in uh, the next few weeks, so keep your eye on that, Uncommon Sense. You may even be able to uh, order your pre pre-launch or pre-release copy right now, so maybe you want to pop over to Amazon. I'm not sure about that yet. And that's going to be launched in a few weeks. Also, Mark's going to be offering a, a, a personal mastermind with him 
for people who get the book early. So you're going to be able to be, um, have a, a half day mastermind with Mark Homer himself, who's probably the most knowledgeable residential property expert in the whole of the UK. His big passions are business, finance and investing. So that's coming up soon. All of those are going to be offered in the Disruptive Entrepreneurs community. I'm not necessarily going to be offering them on the podcast because they can go, that can go out of date. So you need to join the Disruptive Entrepreneurs community on Facebook for you to, be, for you to know when those offers come. So that's just facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Disruptive Entrepreneurs community. Also, a load of you have been asking me about uh, Michael Gerber's interview. I managed to get five questions out of him. He was really busy. He was doing loads of interviews promoting his new book. But so we're just editing that at the moment. That's coming soon. I'm going to be interviewing the CEO of Odomar's Piguet. Like I said, I'm going there next week. Uh, Francois, which is really exciting. You're going to love that. There's no other podcast in this genre, probably on the planet, that has interviewed him. They're one of the greatest watch brands, if not the greatest watch brand in the whole world. So I'm sure you're going to love that. I'm going to see Richard Reed in a week who's just released his brilliant audiobook, which I listened to. So I think you're going to love that. He's met some amazing people from all over the, the world in all different areas, which, um, you know, he, he, he lists. And I'm going to be grilling him about what he's learned from all those amazing people. So that's coming up. And a, a few other little surprises in store. But, you know, the podcast isn't where I sort of, you know, do promotions every week. So you need to be in the disruptive entrepreneurs community to know what they are and when they're happening. Also, there's the 100th episode coming up. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do something new and disruptive, a test. And I'm going to allow you to call in live and ask me your most burning question live. Now, the... Fourth most download, don't de- downloaded. <laughs> the fourth fourth most downloaded disruptive entrepreneur episode is the Grill Rob fiftieth episode. So it seems like that was something that you know you really wanted. So in the disruptive entrepreneurs community, there's a thread going. You need to post your question there, and then we will select you and you phone in live, and we'll have a little bit of a, a one-to-one engagement, and you can ask your question. And if there's enough time, you can have a follow-up one, and we can have a discussion. That's going to be the hundredth episode. That's coming in about. I'm recording that in about a week, so it's ready to go out. So there's going to be live version in the community, and then there's going to be the recorded version, which comes out. I think it's January, the early January for the hundredth episode. So loads of exciting stuff coming out. Thank you for being an amazing, disruptive entrepreneur. Thank you for the hundreds, maybe even thousands of people across the world that send me private messages and tell me your results and how the the podcast is changing your life and asking me questions. And, you know, it's great that we've got a community that helps each other disrupt and grow. That's what it's all about. I've learned a load this year from, you know, being inspired by you. Many of the subjects I share are what you want me to share. You know, the challenges that you're uh, sort of you know, enduring every day. So make sure you engage with me on Facebook, on my page, and just keep letting me know what you want because this podcast is about you. Thank you. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.